Hello and welcome to the Central Buna podcast. My name is Rusty Mott and I am honored to be the lead pastor here at Central Buna. We are a movement for all people to know Jesus and grow in Jesus. And we are hoping that this podcast will be a resource to help you not only know Jesus, but grow in him today. To find out more about our church, to give, to plug in, to connect with what God is doing here at Central Buna, head over to CBCB. Buna.com. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoy this message. Well, if you have a copy of God's Word, I'd invite you to turn with me to Romans 15, towards the end of the book of Romans there in the New Testament, is where we'll make a home. A couple of notes as you are turning there in your Bibles. Uh, first, I, I want to just mention briefly, a couple of weeks from now, so February 25th, that's on a Sunday morning, we want to do something special for uh, the Turner family. You know, uh, Brother Caleb and Miss Taylor have their little uh, Henry running around, but you may or may not know that we are about a month away from the arrival of the Turner twin girls. So very excited about that. They're going to be here uh, soon, and we want to just have an opportunity to bless them. I, I know, and uh, Brother Caleb was like, but some people, people have already got us gifts, and that's all right. We, if you have, that's awesome, but if you wanted to do this, is I, I think what they call in the uh, baby business here, a sprinkling, okay? Uh, so not really a full shower. We're just right after church on Sunday morning, two weeks from today, February 25th. We're going to uh, just have an opportunity for you to go give them a hug and eat a cookie. And if you want to bring them some uh, diapers or wipes or a little card with something in it, man, whatever you feel led to do, we just want to take a little time to bless them and do that. So I uh, wanted you to know that's happening. You'll hear a little more info about that. We'll put some more out, but just wanted to let you know that is going to go down. And, and also... You know, for years, I have been in a, a wasteland on S- Super Bowl Sundays where there have been a ton of Chiefs fans everywhere I looked uh, when I was in Kansas. And I, this week, have been thinking all week, wow, the Lord is so good. He's brought me to a land where there's not a ton of Chiefs fans. But then, yesterday morning, I'm minding my own business. In fact, I was getting ready to come make some pastoral visits yesterday morning. I walk out of my room and look out the front window of my house and lo and behold, the Lord sent us three uh, couples, sweet friends from Wichita. They're not all Chiefs fans, so they've actually separated today based on that uh, I see here today. But uh, just really glad to have some dear friends from Wichita and Crossroad Church and, and just special friends. And it means the world to us that you guys came to visit us. So thank you all for being here. Uh, really glad to have you guys with us. And uh, we love you all even though you cheer for the Chiefs, all right? Uh, the Broncos over here. I don't know what y'all are doing. But I'll tell you this, we, we love y'all more than we love 49ers fans, all right? Uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. He's like, man, I came to church today. You're going to do that. Nah, I'm kidding. But uh, listen, I want to do, I do tell you, it's kind of fun looking around this morning. We got lots of different jerseys, lots of different shirts representing tons of different teams. We've got baseball teams. We've got college teams, pro teams. It's just fun having a day like this. Did you know, I just want to throw this out there. That, it's, that this is going to blow some of your minds. Do you know it's okay to have fun at church? Some of y'all need to tell your face that. It's okay to have fun at church, all right? Like, we can come together and have a good time while we worship the Lord. So, man, I'm glad that you guys participated. And if you didn't wear a team thing today, I know your team Jesus, and we love you, and we're glad you're here hanging out with us today. And just, man, excited to be able to uh, worship alongside each and every one of you. Uh, we're continuing this series that we're calling Rediscover Church. And what we're kind of doing is just trying to get back to the Word of God and say, 
who is it that Jesus wants us to be as the church? Uh, We said last week that we all kind of have our preconceived ideas and our thoughts about what the church is, who the church is, but we said, what does it look like to go to the scripture and say, what does the Bible say and who does the Bible say we ought to be as the people of God? So we've been kind of thinking through this and we've been walking through this new vision statement to kind of help as a parameter for how we walk this thing out. And I hope you remember this phrase and you're going to hear me repeat it so much over the next several weeks and several months that my hope is that from our littles all the way to our senior saints, we will be able to articulate this vision for who we are as a church. And here it is. I brought it for you on the screen. Central Buna is a movement for all people to know Jesus and grow in Jesus. This is who we are. We are a movement for all people to know Jesus and grow in Jesus. And last week we looked at that word movement and we said this isn't just like cool, trendy 2024 language and we're trying to be a cool, hip church. No, Jesus actually used this word. In Matthew 16, he said these five incredible words, I will build my church. And that word he used for church is actually the Greek word ekklesia that really means movement. In fact, we said the modern day comp that you and I could probably understand and go along with would be the idea of a militia or an army that is called a a people who have been called out of their lifestyles into a totally new way of living. That's what Jesus set out to institute when he called the church. So what we've said is that we are not a building, Central Buna isn't a place, this isn't just a Sunday morning thing that you come and check out every now and then, but we are a movement. God has called us together to go out and to take his mission and his gospel to the ends of the earth, starting right here in Buna and Jasper County. This is who we are, this is what God has called us to be. So this morning I want us to really focus in on this all people part of our vision. And to do this, we have to make what I think is the most difficult transition that any church could have to work through. Uh, I've grown up in church my entire life. I mean, from the, I think I was born on the church pew. I haven't confirmed that, but like, I mean, I was there and every church I have been a part of my entire life has struggled with this transition that we need to talk about today. People have left every church I've been a part at because they couldn't make this transition. And it's controversial, it's difficult, it is hard for us to do. And here's what I would just say, you as a church, Central, have walked through a pretty serious transition in the last couple years, right? But you would say, well, we had a transition team. We had a whole squad working on that. Man, it's hard to transition from a decades-long pastor to somebody new. That is a really incredibly difficult thing that you walk through. And yes and amen, man, that was hard, and the Lord brought you all through that season. But I would argue that that transition is child's play compared to the transition we're going to talk about today. And here's the transition we got to make, all right? You ready for this? We've got to make this move from me to we. We've got to make this move from me to we, from singular to plural. This is tough for us. Here's why it's tough for us. You and I live in a culture that is constantly promoting you. It's all about you. Everything in our culture is promoting you, pushing you to be the best you you can be, and it's all about building you up. And what I want to tell you today is that tragically, this has snuck into the church. And honestly, it didn't even come through the back door. I think it came from the pulpits. 
We, we took the language of pop psychology and all this modern secularism that's like, hey, you can go out there and be whatever you want to be and be a better you. And we just have smashed that into some Jesus language. And it's everywhere now. Like, honestly, most of the Bible studies out there today tend to be focused on you and your personal walk with Christ. I think about a lot of old and even modern worship songs that tend to be focused on the individual. There's a lot more me than we in our congregational singing. Most of the books, if you went to Mardell this morning and walked around, I guess they're not open today, but that's fine. Then go to Chick-fil-A on your way out. Uh, You're just bad either way, right? But man, if you look at the bookstores available and the Christian books that are out there, they are all about you and developing your personal walk with Christ. There's not a lot of concern about the we or, or about the church. And not only this morning, but I hope that what you'll do is you take time to get in God's word throughout the week and your personal time. I want you to notice how wildly different that language we tend to use in the modern American church is to the scripture. Because what you're going to find in the Bible is that when we talk about our faith journey, when we talk about our walk with Christ and even growing up in Christ, that you're going to see this happening in the plural. It's not me, it's we, it's us. So so let me just say something right out of the gate that's really hard to hear, but it's a needed word. You ready for it? It's not about you. I tried, did you see how that was like a public speaking pan the audience, right? I didn't, so some of y'all is going to be like, he looked right at me when he said that. I didn't, listen, I, I should have just looked at the wood there, right? <laughs> like, it's not about you. In fact, let, listen, this is hard because here, let's just do this. Look at your neighbor and say, it's not about you. See, y'all were good at that. Dad gum. Some of y'all were like, I've been waiting all my life. Like, your moment had finally come. But can I get you to do something that's way harder? Look at your neighbor and say, it's not about me. Oof. Oof. Now here's what else I know. Some of y'all are like, man, this is having some youth camp vibes. We're turning and talking to people. What's going on right now, right? Here's what I want to just admit. It's pretty easy to say that, but man, isn't it hard to actually live that out? To live a life that's not me-centered, a life that instead of being focused on me is focused on we. So what we're going to do is talk about how we can make that transition from me to we, and we're going to find the way to do that here in God's Word in Romans 15. So Romans 15, the first six verses, and then we'll pray and ask the Lord to help us. Here's what it says. Now we who are strong have an obligation to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not to please ourselves. Each one of us is to please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For even Christ did not please himself. On the contrary, as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For whatever was written in the past was written for our instruction so that we may have hope through endurance and through the encouragement from the scriptures. Now may the God who gives endurance and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another according to Christ Jesus so that you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ with one mind and one voice. Let's pray and ask the Lord to help us understand and apply his word. So Lord, we do just come admitting that we need your help today. God, we don't need a message from my mind. We don't need a message that just makes us feel good or even that teaches and and helps us learn more. God, we need your Holy Spirit to apply your truth to our hearts. 
So God, would you do the work that only you can do, Lord? We love you and we thank you for the church you're building here at Central Buna. It's in your name we pray, amen. The gospel came to you because it was heading to somebody else. You're gonna hear me say that phrase a lot over the next few weeks, so I wanna say it again. The gospel came to you because it was heading to somebody else. Did you know that you weren't the end game of the gospel? The Bible does indeed say, like I remember hearing that growing up, that all heaven rejoiced when you got saved. And I was like, cool. And I believe that to be true. Why? Because the Bible says it. But can I tell you, the reality is, it wasn't a celebration where they put up a big banner that said, mission accomplished. We done. We finally got that one saved. We can move on. No, God saved you so that you could be enlisted in the mission that he's called us to. We said this last week, that as soon as you are saved, you become part of this movement called the church. When you have a moment like Peter did, where you finally say, man, this ain't my religious ideas, this isn't all this, but you declare you are the Christ, the son of the living God, and you believe that Jesus is who he said he was, and you and ask him to be your Lord and Savior. When that moment happens in your life, y'all, when you truly come to know Christ, you immediately become part of this thing called the church. And this thing is way bigger than you. When Jesus builds his church one person at a time, you are saved and you become part of something way bigger than yourself. And I think it's interesting because Romans is a neat place for us to see this truth laid out for us. Romans is a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Rome, and he had not been to Rome yet and honestly didn't know if he would ever get there. So because of that, man, in the Lord's providence, he he actually does end up getting there. But this letter basically has everything he ever wanted to say. And he gives us, unloads both barrels of the gospel here in the book of Romans. Romans 1 through 11 have so much gospel content. If you want to really dive in and figure out what it means when we use that word gospel, go to Romans 1 through 11. In fact, if you have a church background, have you heard this phrase about the Roman roads? This is how we talk about salvation. We will use language right out of the book of Romans. And it starts in Romans 3.23, which says this, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every single one of us have sinned. And because of our sin, the Bible says that you and I are under the wrath of God. And we deserve the penalty of that, which is Romans 6.23. And what that says is that the wages of sin is death. Because of our sin, because of our rebellion against a holy God, you and I deserve eternal death and separation from God. But the second half of Romans 6.23 is where the gospel becomes good news. The second half says this, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Aren't you thankful for that? God loved us enough that he sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. Romans 5.8 says it this way, But God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So so how do we get this? Jesus dies on the cross to pay the price for our sins and to give us new lives. How do we get this new life? Romans 10.9 tells us that we can find this new life. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Friend, have you ever walked that Roman road? And I'm not asking if you've heard these Bible verses or if you went to VBS when you were a kid or any of that kind of stuff. What I'm asking is, 
Have you had a moment where you recognized that you were a sinner in need of a savior? And you recognized that Jesus died on the cross for your sins so that you could have new life and you could have the relationship with God that you were created to have restored. Have you had that experience? And if you haven't, I've been praying all week that today would be the day of salvation. Man, search your heart. And if today you need to declare that Jesus is Lord, if you need to have a moment like Peter where you say you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, man, I'm going to give you an opportunity at the end of the service today to make that declaration and to put that stake in the ground and say, my life belongs to the Lord. But here's what I love in the book of Romans. Immediately following these 11 chapters of unpacking the truth of the gospel, Paul immediately starts talking about how the context of gospel growth is community. The gospel expresses itself in the context of community. So when you were saved, and again, Romans 1 through 11 is going to talk about you needing to know Jesus, but immediately when you're saved, the language turns to we. It turns to us. So you are saved, and now you are part of the family of God. You are part of this group of believers that is growing together. So what I want us to see here in the text we read today are three we truths that Paul expresses here for the church. First, we see Paul calling the church to build each other up. So we build each other up. Verse 1 says, we who are strong. Oh, man, anybody feeling strong? Every time I've read that, I'm like, man, anybody want to declare themselves like, yep, I'll bear with all of you weaker brothers. <laughs> I'm the strong guy this passage is talking about. Can we just be real for a minute? Every single one of us has strengths and weaknesses, right? But can I tell you what we tend to do? <laughs> it's so messed up, but it's what we do. I love to compare my strengths to your weaknesses, you know why? It makes me feel pretty darn good about myself. Right? And when I see a weakness, do you know what I do? Hide that thing, man. If you want to talk about your strength and it's something I'm not good at, then I'm changing the subject. Hey, let's go back to what I'm good at. I want to talk about me. R.I.P. Toby Keith. All right, so. <laughs> I think it's just Sammy Sosa thing. I'm not sure what that was. Uh, anyways. We, we want to ignore our weaknesses and we want to talk about our strengths because it, it makes us feel good. And we want to ignore the things that, that aren't all right in our lives. So here's what church ends up looking like when we live that way. And let, again, guys, I'm just trying to level with you and be honest because I think this is how most churches, most people live. We trump up the strengths in our lives and we all kind of ignore and don't talk about the weaknesses and what ends up happening is we all have to come to church and pretend to be a bunch of strong people with no weaknesses. But can I tell you how Jesus has actually designed his church to operate according to this text? The biblical church is one that is full of people who are humble in their strength and helping each other in their weaknesses. So the way this ought to work itself out is here, here's the reality. You have strengths where I have weaknesses. And that's why we go to church together, so that you can help me. And, and I've got strengths where you have weaknesses. That's why we're brothers and sisters in Christ, so that I can help you. 
The Lord has designed the church to work in a way that we are all building one another up. And the body of Christ comes together. And what happens is we help people grow from strength to strength. And we work on our weaknesses. We don't have to hide them because we all are honest about the fact that we've got strengths and weaknesses. So we bring our weakness to the table and our brothers and sisters help us grow in this. Do you see how this works itself out and how it should at least? I don't think you've probably ever seen this work itself out because we don't do this in the modern church. We all just come and put on our happy Jesus face and go, church, and then go home and wallow in our weakness. And then you put your strength back on when it's time to go be in public. And we wonder why the church is so impotent and powerless and messed up in America. It's because we're a bunch of fakers. Thanks for coming. I hope you're encouraged. I'm trying to build you up, see? We're trying to just build you up right now. I love the language here in verse 1. This isn't a neat suggestion. The text says this is an obligation. Now, we're called to bear with one another's weaknesses so that we can pull each other up in the strength of the Lord. That is what it means to be a church for all people. Y'all, this is not a church for perfect people because the reality is there are no perfect people. Instead, we just come together with our strengths and our weaknesses and the strong bear with the weak and help them grow. So if you're strong, congratulations, brother and sister. God has prepared you to help your brothers and sisters who are weak. And if you are weak, man, welcome to the family of God. You have strong brothers and sisters that are ready to equip you and help you grow into who it is that the Lord wants you to be. This is what church ought to be. Man, I want that. That's what I want the church to be. It's not easy, though, is it? We've kind of made this whole American church thing where it's easier just to come and pretend and go home. But what would happen if we, this is crazy, I've just got this wild idea. What would happen if we actually did what the Bible said? Yeah, y'all ain't ready for that, apparently. It's fine. What's our example for this? Who's our example for this? Verse 3 says, For even Christ did not please himself. On the contrary, it is written, The insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. What that's saying is Jesus paid the price for crimes he didn't commit. Jesus bore the penalty of the weaker brothers. By the way, that's you and me. But Jesus is our example. It's not about us, it's about others. Dying to ourselves, not promoting ourselves. Let me just ask you an honest question. Who have you built up in the last week? Can you even think of anybody? We live in a culture where everybody is cynical, everybody's a critic, and it's so easy just to be looking. Like, even when I see something good, like, I'm the type of personality that's like, yeah, but that one thing, right? Like Debbie Downer is your pastor. Sorry, guys. It's just the reality, right? And that's the default setting of our culture. But I got to tell you, what, what would happen in your life if you spent this week intentionally thinking about building up the people around you? Your spouse, your kids, your coworkers, the random people that you run into on a daily basis. And listen to me, y'all. People need this. You need this. 
If we're going to move from me to we, we've got to be a people who build each other up. But this next truth is really important. Not only do we build one another up, but the word calls us to encourage one another through the scriptures. So we encourage one another through the scriptures. Look at verse 4. It says, For whatever was written in the past was written for our instruction, so that we may have hope through endurance and through encouragement of the scriptures. I think this is a really important word. Because as important as encouragement is, as important as this call to build one another up is, as Christ followers, you need to build one another up with the right tool. you got to have the right tool for the right job, don't you? Doesn't it make things way easy? Anybody like tried to, you know, loosen a, a Phillips head with your pocket knife? Thank you. That's why my parents are still in business down there in Sperger. Had to go buy a new knife because you're trying to use it as a screwdriver, man. But then when you actually get the right tool, for me, I'm, I'm the guru who has like, you know, four or five Phillips head screwdrivers, and you get the wrong size in there, it's like, why is it so hard? And then you finally you get the right one, and you're like, that was so much easier when I had the right tool to do this job. Can I tell you what the tool to encourage one another is? The Word of God. And the reason this is an important truth is this. There is a worldly way to encourage one another. Right? Uh, kind of just pumping up of people. And I'll tell you, in the American church, there are many who would take the last point of this message and say, Amen, Pastor. I'm so glad you're saying that because we need to be the type of church that encourages people. Man, everyone's depressed enough. So why do we got to come to church and hear messages that convict us? Why do we got to hear things that challenge us and make us feel bad or, or make us think that we need to change our lives? Stop talking about sin and mistakes and all of that stuff. Don't preach in a way that makes us feel convicted. In fact, have you noticed that we don't have sin anymore in, in our culture? We just have struggles. You notice that? I just need to let you know, y'all, we don't have a struggle problem. We got a sin problem, Right? And here's the wild thing. Some of you are like, man, he's on one today. No, here's what I'm trying to tell you. What I just said to you is actually the most encouraging thing I could say to you. Because I want to encourage you to run from your sin and run to the only source of help you have, which is Jesus Christ, who stands ready to help you in the midst of this. So we don't want to just encourage people, give them a, a false sense of security, or just pump people up. No, we need to be a people who are encouraging one another with the tool God has given us, and that tool is the Scriptures. So this call to encourage one another and build each other up is a call to grow together. We want to get in God's Word and love each other enough to share the truth of God's Word with one another. Now, for this to happen, there are a couple things that are assumed that, let's just be real, we can't assume. First, is that you're actually in the Word of God consistently, and secondly, that you are speaking the word of God when you get opportunities to, right? We've been as a church in this past season, the series before the one we're in now, and we just took a month to kind of say, what would it look like to saturate our lives in the scripture? Turn off the podcast, you know, quit, quit reading the book for a little while. Turn off the TV show. Man, take a break and just get in the Word of God until the Word of God gets in you. And we said when you do that, man, it's going to saturate your life in God's Word and it will transform your life. About a year ago, this organization called Back to the Bible conducted the Back to the Bible survey. 
And it was over 400,000 people spread across six continents. And I got to tell you all, man, the results were absolutely astounding. But before we get to the good news, can I start with the bad news? Here's what the results of this survey said. People who read their Bible once a week actually experienced very little change. People who engaged with the scriptures twice a week saw very little change. Even people who opened up their Bibles three times a week, the results were negligible. But then there was a tipping point. And that tipping point was four days. The statistics are absolutely overwhelming. For those who open and read their Bibles four or more times every week, here's what the survey found. These people are 228% more likely to share their faith. 470% or 407% more likely to memorize scripture. 59% less likely to view pornography. And 30% less likely to be lonely. Man, we can keep going, but, but can I just, do you see the trend here? When you give more of your time and your attention to the word of God than you do to the world in which we live, real transformation starts to happen. When you saturate your life in scripture, God begins to move and do incredible things. But remember what we said at the beginning of this message. What did I have you turn and say to each other? It's not about me. Did you know that even your daily Bible reading is meant to transform the collective people around you that we call the church? Do you know that God wants to use what you're reading in the word of God to do work in your life? Yes, God wants to transform your word. I believe God has personal words for you when you open up the scripture. But even your Bible reading needs to move from me to we. God has given us scripture so that we might encourage one another through what we find here. And here's what I got to tell you this. And I think I've shared this with you before, but I, I just have to repeat it again. Some of y'all think when we're like talking, whether I run into you at the dollar store or at Brookshire's or you're up here in my office and we're talking, and I say, you know, that reminds me of something in Zephaniah chapter 2. And you guys are like, dang, we got ourselves a pastor who knows the Bible. This dude went to seminary for sure. Can I tell you why I'm quoting you Zephaniah chapter 2? Because I read it a day or two ago. Real talk. Like, it, the more obscure it is, like, some of you are like, John 3.16, I think you may know that one. Yeah, but like, if I'm quoting you a random weird verse, there is a great chance that I'm sharing something that the Lord has shared with me in the last two or three days of my quiet time. And I will just tell you, because I'm a pastor and, and get to have those spiritual conversations that, let's be honest, y'all ought to be having with one another, but we don't talk about Jesus when we're not here, when we're not with the preacher. That's another sermon we're going to have to talk about later, right? But because I'm the pastor and have all these spiritual conversations, can I tell you, almost every week, God uses something that he has spoken to my heart from the scripture to speak to one of you in a way that encourages you. And you think it's some kind of special spiritual gift because I'm the preacher. Can I tell you what it's called? Being somebody who is submitted to the word of God and understands that this word of God is not just for me, it's for we. Oh, what happened if we had a room of 300 people who were about being that? What if we had those conversations happening all over Buna, Jasper County, Newton County, and Southeast Texas this week? 
What if we were having conversations? You say, you know, I was reading Habakkuk the other day, and then somebody walks by and says, Habakkuk, what in the world? Somebody else tries to say, and you're like, did you just cuss? And then you have this whole conversation, and you get to share. Listen, if we were to start sharing the word of God with one another, understand that what God is saying to us is meant to be shared with others as the Lord gives us opportunity, we would see people encouraged like they haven't been before. We encourage each other through the scriptures, and the church is encouraged. And a beautiful thing happens as the church is encouraged. The final and super important truth we need to shift from me to we is this. We are unified in mission. I love the culmination of this text. Verse 5 says, now may the God who gives endurance and encouragement, how do we get that? Through the word of God. Verse 4 just told us. Give you what you need. Unify, as it says. Live in harmony with one another according to Christ Jesus so that we can be a people proclaiming his glory. So after calling these people in Rome to build one another up with the word, Paul says, so that you would be a people walking in unity. Can I just level with y'all? It's a pretty silly idea to say, hey, everybody wear your different jerseys on the day when we're going to talk about unity, right? I mean, I even stood at the door and heckled some of y'all on the way in, and you heckled me too, and I remembered and wrote your names down, so it's fine. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Listen, I got to support my guy. He made it to his second Super Bowl as an announcer. It's fine. It's fine. But, but the irony is not lost on me that as we're talking about unity, we've got all these different teams and all these different sports even represented and, and all of this happening here. But can I tell you, we don't usually wear our jerseys in on Sundays, but can I tell you that metaphorically, we come in here on Sunday mornings wearing the jersey for the cause we're representing. Our preferences our ideas, banging the drum for what we think needs to happen in the church, and it becomes a very me thing. We represent and express ourselves, what we want, what we think is best. A lot of ideas, a lot of different missions, and a lot of different motives are represented in any given church on any Sunday morning. And we can all be in one place, but can I tell you what the reality is? It's just like this. We represent a bunch of different teams. Oh, but what would happen if the church of Jesus Christ got on the same jersey and started rooting for the same team? And what if you actually made the transition from being a fan to actually being in the game? Right? Some of you, Team Jesus, amen, yeah, he's doing cool things. Can I tell you, he wants to use you? God wants to do a work in your life. Do you want to see a church die? Let disunity be what runs a church. Let a church be run based on your preferences, your ideas, what you think is best. That church will die. But I don't believe that Jesus wants the church to die. You know why? Because Jesus wants to use his church to fulfill his mission. And I believe that Jesus is looking for a church that will say yes to him. That he's looking for a church who will come together and work together. That with one people and one mission, we would come together. And what does verse 6 say? So that you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ with one mind and one voice. Isn't that beautiful? The call isn't, hey, I, I think all y'all ought to get along. Can I tell you, I've been a part of some really sweet churches that had sweet fellowship but no mission. And you know what happened to those churches? They die. Literally, 
We used to have 150. Now we're down to 80. Now we're down to 50. And within a couple decades, they're going to be gone because they're all about that fellowship and unity. And they are unified in the fact that we ain't going to do nothing outside of these walls. They're unified in the fact that this we is a we and we like the things we like. And when somebody new comes in with something different, we ain't about that life. Some of you are like, we left that church. That's all right. But we can become that church real quick if we're not careful. So we need to move from me to we, but can I tell you what we need? We got to be on mission. We got to be a movement for all people to know Jesus and grow in Jesus. If we're going to be that, we've got to transition from me to we. We got to build each other up. We got to encourage each other through the scriptures, and we got to be unified in our mission. And if we do that, y'all, Watch out, God stands ready to do absolutely incredible things with the people surrendered to him. And listen, they didn't have the infrastructure. Have you read the book of Acts? Man, I want to encourage you to do that. It's a wild book. Man, you talk about ill-equipped people, a bunch of fishermen, a bunch of guys, a bunch of nobodies essentially get together. Thousands of people are saved. They didn't have good coffee. They didn't have enough seats. The parking was a disaster. And what happened? Thousands and thousands and thousands of people came to know Jesus. Why? Because they had one mind, one heart, and one mission. What could God do, Central Buna, if that was us? I believe we're starting to see it. But I don't want to stop what God is doing. So, man, let's be together on the same page working towards this mission God's given us. You bow your heads and close your eyes. And we're going to take time just to respond to the word of God. And I, I know this is a challenging message today, man. It just kind of hits us right where we live, man. The idea of it not being about us. Most of us live in this me-centered world. I, I want you to just take time during the response time just to ask the Lord to help you. To help you think beyond yourself. To know that this is bigger than you. And I also want you to pray, if you're a member of this church, that the Lord would just help us be unified in the mission to which we've been called. But I also know there's some of you in here who maybe today, as we've talked about this, you recognize, man, I've never come to know Christ. I don't know Jesus yet. I've never given my life to him. And today is the day where you heard the gospel and you are ready to respond. Man, if that's you, if you just need to declare that your life belongs to Jesus, man, I want to encourage you to come pray with Brother Bryce or me and just say, man, I'm ready to make Jesus my Lord and Savior. If you come and talk to us, we would love to have that conversation with you today. But whatever you need to do, let's respond as the Lord leads us. God, thank you for this time. Move in this place as we respond to the word. Thank you for listening to Central Buna's weekly sermon podcast. For more information about Central Buna, please visit us on the web at cbcbuna.com.